We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always by my co-host, Nick Filato. Tonight, we're here to break down the Giants matchup in week, what are we at, 15 now, Nick, against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, matchup for the Giants at 5-8. and eight. Get them to 6-8 and eight and keep the Tommy DeVito momentum rolling, Nick. Uh, the way I look at it is like this. I have low expectations for the Giants making the playoffs this year. They're, I believe need to jump a number of teams just to get to that seven seed. Um, but at this point I've given up on caring about the draft pick. I think it took that final game against the Packers for me to get there. I hadn't really felt that way until they defeated the Packers, but now I'm just like, wherever that draft pick falls, it falls. Whenever the giants can find this franchise quarterback in the next 10, 20, 30 years of my life, I hope it happens at some point, Nick. I don't know if it will. The Jets haven't found it in there. Anyone who's my age, that's a Jets fan friend, Nick, has not found it at any point in their life. So it's not possible. It's more than possible to never find a quarterback that's really great on your team. But at five wins, Nick, I don't care anymore about this draft class. It, it's over at that point. And hopefully the Giants can find someone outside of the top two at quarterback that they really love and they can mold that player and they can make that player great. He comes in with the fresh slate, everything like that, Nick, but I'm rooting for DeVito wins at this point fully and wholeheartedly. And I just think it's a fun story, Nick. And if he beats this, it's just fun to think about it like this for me. It's like, if he beats the saints, right. Then there's, I don't care. I don't care about the six and eight part part or like what's going on with the playoff line. I'll care to an extent. I want him to make the playoffs, but like, it's not like I'm thinking of it in that nature. Like now we're going to make the playoffs. It's more just like if he wins this game, now he's won another game in a row. That's four. I mean, there's six Crazy. and eight. And then he gets to roll. The fun part for me is he gets to roll into Philly with an everything on the line thing. Cause if the veto could win, if the giants can win against the saints this week, right? Six and eight. Cool. But if they can then go into Philly and somehow beat the Eagles or be competitive until the end and maybe make overtime or lose on a fourth quarter drive, something like that, but be competitive the whole time, they'll have given us something we never expected to get at any point in the last four or five weeks of the season, which is competitive football against the Eagles. So I want to build into that game with a win over the Saints and build that momentum to roll into that. And that's the focus right now to try to get a competitive product against the Eagles. And we'll see if that's possible, but that's where I'm at. And who do the Saints play in week 16? Or maybe I should say, when do they play? The Saints play Thursday night football in week 16 against the Rams, another team that they're vying for playoff contention with in the wild card. And I find this interesting, and there's I, I, I have no stats to back this up. It's just going off of you know my anecdotal observations. It does seem like teams that play on 
Thursday, the next week, they struggle in the previous week. And I'm not saying that they're overlooking the opponents, but there are times where there is an underdog victory and everyone's like, wow, how did the Jaguars beat this? How did this happen? What? And then you'll look at the schedule. It's like, oh, they play on a short week. They're playing yeah. Thursday. It just throws off the equilibrium of the franchise because they're basically rushed to get a game plan together by Thursday and everybody's tired on the Thursday game. But I think it also affects the previous week, which maybe the Giants could benefit from this week. Yeah, you don't know. It's possible. I've been looking into the Saints team a little bit. It's been a very weird year for them. Um, just from a consistency standpoint on both sides of the ball, it hasn't been there. It's just, the Giants seem to me like they're coming together in a lot of ways, at least as far as this year's product goes, right? Like this, Yeah. I said it last week, Nick, and I stand by it. Everyone's like, uh, you know, some people disagreed. They said the most complete game was the Washington win. I felt like this was the most complete win against Green Bay by far. Obviously not special teams included. We know it was bad on specials. I'm just talking offense and defense. The specials at this point is is what it is with the Giants until further notice. It's like, I just expect disaster and I'm not really waiting for a complete game there, but offensive and defensively, the reason I consider it the most complete game as a team was because the opponent, right? Like the Packers were coming in hot. They were playing good football. The Washington football team that the Giants beat a few weeks ago, Nick, that's a shit team. That's one of the worst teams I watch every week. Their defense is completely quit on the coach. There are talent issues. There are injury issues. They traded away players. It's arguably, in my opinion, the worst defense in the NFL, the Washington. The Packers are not that. The Packers came in really hot as a defense, and the Giants were able to kind of stymie that and, and turn it around and put together a complete game. And yeah, the Giants had some luck with the fumble, but on the punt, but like so did the Packers. There was double luck there, it felt like. And some of the torn turnovers the Giants were forced. Um, obviously, Kayvon Thibodeau, Xavier McKinney getting in on that fumble. Jordan Love was a big, big play in that game. So that's how I look at it, Nick. I'm looking at it like the Giants might be playing a more complete game of football right now than the Saints from what I've seen. It definitely seems like the Giants defense specifically is really gelling together. Now, the Tommy DeVito thing, that seems to be working out as well, which is, I think, separate from the conversation that I'm talking about now. Unless you want to look at the team in its totality, they are all playing together, other than maybe the special teams unit, as we already kind of discussed. But the defense, man, good against the pass, right? You have Deontay Banks coming up with a huge PBU on the ball that wasn't necessarily underthrown by Jordan Love. He just got himself back in phase. You saw him use Jerome Henderson's technique. We've been talking about this since the Joe Judge years when he criticized Jabril Peppers on that long Boston Scott touchdown against the Philadelphia Eagles. Jabril Peppers went in to knock it down and, and he didn't use the right arm. Well, Deontay Banks used the right arm on that PBU. Banks is coming along. Kayvon Thibodeau is coming along. Dexter Lawrence is injured right now, but when he is out there playing the 30 snaps or less that he played in the last game, he's playing damn well. He's pushing the pile. You're getting contributions from players like DJ Davidson, Jason Pinnock, players that we were a little unsure of heading into the season. And now Aziz Ojolari is back and he's playing in a healthy manner. I really think right now we're probably seeing the best defense that we've seen all season. And the defense has not been the problem with this team. It's interesting. Like the Giants got their asses kicked against the Dolphins. But if you go back to that, the Giants had a pick six in that game and they had what, two other interceptions of Tua. So it's not like the defense has really been a problem. I've heard like national podcast people be like, yeah, the Giants defense, it's really gelling together right now. But I don't necessarily think that it was a problem before. But right now in this instance, I think it's playing probably its best football. So it's reaching its pinnacle and I'm hoping that it can, it can continue to grow from there. Yeah. I think that's the bottom line. It's not that they were, they, they've had been had their moments all year, but they're, it feels like they're playing their best right now. And it obviously aligns with them being, I wouldn't say they're healthiest because of Dexter Lawrence's injury. And we don't know, you know, if that plan is for him to play more snaps in this game against the saints. I would imagine it is. We'll see if that is true, but I would imagine that it is. 
And I just think it's a combo of things, though. Like, to me, it's mostly just the locked-in nature of the two linebackers. I really feel like they make so much of a difference in this defense right now. I know, you know, I don't want to speak against how the NFL views the position linebacker. I know they don't really view it that highly from a draft capital standpoint. They don't want to invest a lot of draft capital in it. I know there's been a lot of bust, too, when you do go up there and you draft a linebacker high, Patrick Queen, Murray for the Chargers, just guys that are just ultimately like end up not really impacting a defense that much. But when you do hit on them, and in this case, it's the Giants through free agency, like Bobby O'Carrick, it just makes all the difference. Like watching it on film, the linebackers to me are, are the are basically the cogs. Like they are the keys of this defense right now. They're the reason why it looks so different because Okereke is so fast with his eyes and Okereke trusts everything he sees. And because of McFadden as well, they're just working in unison. The couple of plays we broke down this week, Nick, on the film review, the defensive film review. And I, I watched the breakdown. I watched the film myself. Then I watched the breakdown and listened to it back with, with, with what you said earlier this week. I was, I was doing some, um, listening in the car. And I was thinking about just like how, when you see it on film, both Okereke and McFadden are on some of these snaps, it looks like they're, it's almost like a, um, trying to think of this, not like computer simulation, Nick, but like a, uh, like a Sims game or something where it's like, they're really working to get their movement is exactly aligned together. Mm -hmm. And it's like so smart. It looks like they're just so aware of where to be, where to position themselves and how to maximize their responsibility on a given play together in unison. And so to me, that's the biggest difference right now with the defense, the, the play of those two, obviously banks is at his moments, like you mentioned, and the D line is the D line. Like we can get into some of these numbers, Nick, but like some of the stats right now on, on, on three players in the giants that are just looking really good, but go ahead. You want to say something? Yeah. I want to say one thing just on, on how they are working in unison. Look, when you are defending power gap and you you're pulling like encounter, I should definitely add that in there. When you're pulling, offensive linemen from the other side to the front side of a play, you're creating extra gaps that have to be accounted for any mistake by a linebacker and filling those gaps is going to lead to a hole in the defense. A lot of teams, man, sometimes they like to align their, uh, their number two receiver, say it's a two by two set a little bit wider to influence that apex defender away from the run fit yep. when it is a counter run. Cause the apex defender, meaning the defensive back who is on the line of scrimmage, the overhang, if you want to call them that they're very vital to the run fit. And we've had very good, in my opinion, apex run defending defenders. Grant Haley was one. He just mm -hmm. couldn't cover downfield. Darnay Holmes is one. He's just not that great covering downfield. But when your linebackers aren't making any mistakes, although that apex defender and his role and his responsibility is still very important, it gives you a little bit of leeway. If that apex defender cheats or if the offense runs a bubble that the apex defender has to account for as well, because there's two eligible receivers over there with only two defensive backs. When your linebackers are working in unison, it just allows you a little bit more flexibility on how you defend those counter running plays. Yep. And you're right, dude. They are just right spot on, dude. Their, their communication is impeccable. It is night and day right now the Giants defending a counter run from last season when they were a really good football team in this season when they're not as good but they are improving so it, it's definitely something that was addressed by the Giants and look man Bobby Okereke has been nothing but a grand slam so far here in New York and I think the long-term view for me at least Nick is I will probably not go any stretch of period at least covering this team on this podcast or if we do anything else from this point on without thinking 
address linebacker, address linebacker, address linebacker. If it ever gets back to the pit, to place it was not just this past year, though, not just like that was horrible. Jalen Smith and whatever they were trying to try out there, even years before that, really, I, you know, Blake was okay for a little while, but in that specific system, he was fine in Patrick Graham's system, but it's Blake not was really, fine. I like it Blake. was fine. Like, and he play, had a good season, but next to him, there was really nothing. Like we had spurts and moments from Ryan Re- Connolly, Reggie Ragland. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like Ragland was like, we had spurts and moments from Connolly before the injury, but I just, I know that NFL GMs don't value the position that highly via draft capital and even really via free agency. Like look at what TJ Edwards signed for. And then look at what's happened to the Eagles run defense since TJ Edwards left. And I don't think that's just a coincidence personally. So I know GMs won't value it that way, but I know I will value it that way. To me, these linebackers, that second level is just so important to a defense and its functionality. Um, But before we get into a few of the defenders I want to touch on uh, and how they might impact this matchup, I do want to say that I do think the completeness of the team is also on the offensive side of the ball. And you could credit to whatever you want because the Giants offensive line is playing better. And mostly in my mind, they're just playing together. Like they just have a lot more snaps together. Like for the first you know, however many games of the season, the Giants were just trotting out different offensive line combos on a basically weekly, weekly basis. That's impossible. That's not sustainable. And you can't get any continuity to grow. You know, there's no timing that you can develop. If you have that last few weeks, it's been the same combo. Yeah, it's been the same combo. And I think Justin Pugh was a huge reason for this, that, and obviously Andrew Thomas returning is the, the primary reason, but Justin Pugh is a technician with a ton of experience. Dan, who were the Giants trotting out earlier in the season? It was Marcus McKethan. No knock on Marcus McKethan. He doesn't have the experience that Justin Pugh has. It was Josh Azudu who was forced to play tackle. Doesn't have the experience that Justin Pugh has. Justin Pugh came straight off the couch, then had to play tackle, like what, three snaps into the game, or, or maybe it was on the second drive, whatever it was. Justin Pugh was capable in doing so because he's been around the NFL so much. That was a young right. offensive line without Andrew Thomas earlier in the year. They were destined to fail in that situation. They had no competent quality veterans that they wanted to trust the one veteran that they had they didn't even really want to put out there and mark Lewinsky. i mean you could say ben bredesen is a veteran and yeah to to a degree he is but it was a very young offensive line that was rife with mistakes and they kept making mistakes and they weren't working together justin Pugh is somewhat of a glue to allow the offensive line to be on the same page and to help his teammates i think he is a he's a big reason why not maybe as big as andrew thomas coming back but he's still a very big reason why yeah, I completely agree, and I'm I'm I'll be very curious to see where they head in the, what direction they head in future when it comes to that, Justin Pugh. Yeah. It's very interesting the decision they'll have to make because he's an older veteran. They got him cheap this year because of you know circumstances. He wasn't signed by anybody else. They said, look, you know, I understand that you're going to start for, right now. He's playing an incredible amount of snaps for them. Like the, for it's what wild. he's paid, it's 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 bad, honestly. But at the same time, what they told him was, look you understand the situation. You don't have any leverage here. Like you're a practice. We basically giving you like the vet min type contract, but next year that won't be the case. Like to get into the offseason, season, Pew won't return to the giants. If they offer him 1 million a year, you know, like he's going to have to get some kind of comp. If the, if the plan is, Hey, Justin, you gave us starter snaps from the moment we signed you. The plan is probably to start you again next year. There's no way he signs for anywhere that cheap. And it's disrespectful to even offer it to be completely honest. So I'll be curious to see if they want to invest any actual cap space into a player with his injury history and with his age. And I'll say this about Justin too. I don't know him personally. He's a very forward thinking, smart, uh, brand aware type of person. And I don't know if he would sign for something like that. And that's not necessarily because of his brand, but I think he has other options. He doesn't need football. He's doing that out of what, what he desires, right? What he loves. He loves the game. That's why he's doing it. I mean, the, the dude created 
shirts off of the straight off the couch like the next day like he's very very aware of uh how to monetize what's going on big blue banter listeners i'm excited for the football season for several reasons and one of those reasons is prize picks which is north america's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform and it's so simple to use Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections, and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. I've set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less, yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. They also do other sports as well. It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. You will not regret it. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. There are few things better in the world than kicking back, watching some football, and biting into some delicious little seeds. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pizza. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Old world pepperoni, pepperoni, extra cheese, Italian sausage, olives, onions, pineapple if you're into that. Put it on half the pie, the entire pie. There are so many other options that I don't have time to name. Slap that on a round crust, a thin crust, a stuffed crust, a Detroit style deep dish. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. 
So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. And also with that regard, it's like... Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. You know, despite the franchise being pretty much one of the worst in the NFL since 2011, if you look at the numbers, the Giants are among the league leaders in losses since their Super Bowl season, uh, right along the Jets. He loves playing for the Giants, despite that, Justin Pugh. Yes, like two players on this roster, Justin Pugh and Saquon Barkley, have been dealt the shittiest hands during their time here. It's not like it's been fun to be on this roster, but they love it because there are other reasons to love it. You're part of the New York market. You have these fans who will just get behind you so fast when you start winning. Like I was listening to, I, I you know, just watching the game on TV, Nick, last week against the Packers. That crowd came back alive for that win against the Packers. An upset victory, Monday Night Football. The crowd's been dead for the whole season, rightfully so. And they came alive because they want to see wins. And when that throw was made, DeVito to Wandell on the set, on the one, you know, the final drive, it's like, holy shit, that the, the crowd went nuts. There was an outburst of sound that you heard from your screen after that play. And I'm sure they want to be a part of winning here, both Barkley and Pew. But, you know, We'll see what happens with there in that direction. But I think it coincides with the entire offense. It's not just the offensive line. I think Tommy DeVito is playing good football right now. I think that's the yeah. thing. He's playing better than he did his first start. He's improving on little things every week. And this goes back to something I talked about on Twitter, Nick, that I haven't had a chance to talk to you about this week, I don't think, or at least not too much. We talked, we touched on a little bit in other pods. So I'm trying to find this exact quote here before I get into this. It looks like I've tweeted a whole lot of things, but here it is. This is something that, Kyle Shanahan said on the difference, and this is a quote from Kyle Shanahan, one of the best coaches in the NFL, I think, on the difference in Matt Ryan and Brock Purdy adapting to his offense. Shanahan said there was a lot more football in Matt's head. With Brock, it's a clean slate. And I feel like that's kind of what's going on right now with the Giants and Tommy DeVito versus what they had at quarterback before this. There was a lot of football in the head of the quarterback they had before this. Now it's Tommy DeVito. And it's a clean slate, you know, he just, he can learn this offense and process it the way that Brian Dable wants him to in a lot of ways or hopes him to, because there's not a lot of other thoughts going on in his mind when he catches the football. If you look at that Wandell throw, there's not too much going on there. It's, I read this play pretty much where it's going to be pre-snap and it was open. It was post snap and I'm just going to rip it in there. You couple that too, Dan, with all of the comments from Brian Dable about his memory and, and um, how he can articulate yeah. what he sees. And maybe, maybe you're onto something. I think it's an astute point uh, that you observed from Kyle Shanahan's comments. And I love how you just didn't say the name. We're referring to him as if he doesn't have a name, the quarterback who is before, <laughs> before this. No, one. it's not that. It's just <laughs> no, I know. But, it, so but my point is, Oh, I know. I know. I just Trust don't want to make this about Daniel Jones. I'm trying to make this just about Tommy DeVito. Trust me. I, I, I know, but yeah. there will be people even though you didn't say his name, who will be like, he's not saying his name. What the hell? There's going to be people who are going to say that, which is funny. Yeah. To me. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I'm trying my best to not make this about Daniel Jones and, you know, be, be cognizant of the fact that he's injured and not playing or whatnot. But, you know, he had a lot of football in his head. That's the thing. He had three a different lot. systems and he also had whatever he learned at Duke, which to me felt like it wasn't much. It was just like RPO, throw a ball at the line of scrimmage pretty much every snap. Like which, a lot of the times I watched. To be fair, Daniel Jones was pretty damn good at. At Duke, yeah. No, even Duke. in the NFL. He, he was yeah, he was good. always good at RPO. It's just a matter of like how 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 far will that take you? Obviously, you need to exactly. operate a regular offense too. But 
Um, but yeah, with DeVito, I feel like that's coming together too. DeVito's playing the quarterback position is no matter what you say, the quarterback position is playing pretty well right now. All things considered, there was a play the giants had, uh, in the Eagles game that I rewatched today. And I put on Twitter where Tommy DeVito scrambled for a 10 yard gain, Nick. And if you rewatch that play, it's just perfect. I, in my opinion, from the quarterback, because from the drop back point, the play is completely discovered and defended by the Packers. They, they took it away. There's nothing open. There's not even anything remotely open. Any throw that will be made is intercepted. There's also immediate pressure up the a gap from the interior defensive lineman from green Bay. I forgot who it was. And you know, I've seen that play a lot of times in my life watching Giants football. And most of the time, the quarterback either takes the sack immediately, rolls to the right for a throwaway, or rolls to the right and gets sat, tracked down for the sack. Uh, in the worst case scenarios, I've seen it rolled to the right, thrown for an interception. Tommy DeVito shuffled in the pocket, reset it, then found himself a little crease, juked forward, and then took pick up 10 yards. And I was like, damn, this was fucking good quarterback play. And I know Whoa. JTO Sullivan break it, broke it down as well. It's actually the second time JTO Sullivan did a Tommy DeVito analysis. So it's clear that, like, and that's the quarterback school, JTO Sullivan. It's clear that he really enjoys, yeah, Nick's got the play right up, up here. It's clear that he enjoys watching Tommy DeVito, and I liked his breakdown as well. But this play is just like, Freaking damn good by the quarterback. That's we were talking about individual plays. I know in the podcast, I think we've talked a lot about like, is there a way to and now analyze a quarterback independent of his situation? Me and you believe there is a hundred percent a way. Obviously, I don't really even entertain the idea that you can't, but this is a great example of what did the quarterback do individually to make a positive play for his team. Now, I have not seen the JTO Sullivan breakdown from this week. I watched the one last yeah. week, and JTO Sullivan is a wealth of knowledge, played the game. Like, I love his stuff. But just looking at what Tommy DeVito, because we didn't break this down on the off of the review. Yeah. Looking at what he's looking at here, you have the jet motion. He's going into the zone read. He sees the guy looping around, and now he's going to check to see if Wandell Robinson is open. But this defender came off of, I think this is Jalen Hyatt, and he just started expanding. So right at that point, he knows Wandell Robinson is eliminated as an option. So let me see if Jalen Hyatt is going to be open, but he flashes his eyes and he sees 25 come off of this. This is good defense by the Green Bay Packers to remove Jalen Hyatt on that horizontal cross. So this is all going through Tommy DeVito's head very fast. His only option to pass the football would have been Daniel Bellinger who chipped and released, but he saw, he saw green light right here once he had to step up and away. And that's a beautiful move by Tommy DeVito, man. Just, you're right, dude. That's, that's an excellent play. And I'm glad JT O'Sullivan also, highlighted it i'm sure there's probably a lot more there that he went over though yeah something about devito it's just like based on maybe his size nick and just the way that he is as an athlete he is able to kind of maneuver small and narrow spaces in a different way than i'm used to mm. from uh in, inside the pocket tyra had a little bit of that as well daniel's a bigger bigger athlete so uh, more uh, it's it's a different kind of maneuverability within the pocket because of, because he's a larger athlete obviously but um yeah like daniel saying, Daniel has maneuvered the like I feel like he took yeah. steps last year in that, yeah, but I'm better. shocked by how um now he has been sacked a decent amount, right? Tommy DeVito, but there have been about two or three plays over the last or maybe about like five or six plays over the last three games where I was like, holy crap, man, that is amazing maneuverability in the pocket from an undrafted rookie in Tommy yeah. DeVito. Like he's really impressed me in that standpoint because there have been so many quarterbacks who have come out of college and just like stood up like a statue and just got absolutely annihilated yeah, we haven't yep. really seen a play like that from tommy devito like tommy devito we yeah. see we've seen him hold on to the football too long which is different than just i don't even know where the blitz is coming from and then i get blindsided yeah it's a great point and i think it's a lot of it is like the micro movements those like smaller movements within mm. the pocket that help him upper body lot. movements too um, bro 
Yeah, the small, but it's like that small, narrow movements. And, you know, because he's a smaller athlete, I do honestly think that just physically speaking, that does help him get through those tight creases like yeah. we saw on that play. Um, but, you know, the quarterback play has been bad, been been improving, not I mean, over the previous quarterback, just over Dan, what Tommy DeVito has had at this point. So they're playing better from that standpoint. They're throwing the football outside the numbers. They're maneuvering the pocket. They're running the football, with the quarterback they're running. I feel like in later in games right now, Nick, the giants are at their best running the football. Every game. I feel like when we get to the third and fourth quarter, they're sparking and springing runs and the blocking is, and starting they're starting to move people, this line of scrimmage better as they stay, if they stick to the run and they start, you saw it last week with Barkley, by the way, against the Packers, obviously leading up to the fumble with Barkley, but there were three big runs before that with Barkley, two big runs and the run and the fumble. Those are things that I think are the Giants might we might see against the Saints. We might see a game of the Giants are within three points, up or down three points, and late in the game they have a drive that's sparked by three big runs or two big runs by Barkley. I think that's starting to come together again, the, the blocking at the end of the game. So I think they're playing overall better football as a group, both sides, not including special teams, obviously. The special teams to me right now is it, it's at a bad point. I mean, they have a shit kicker in. I have no faith in Randy Bullock. I don't even want him really kicking. I personally would prefer Kate York. It is what it is. We'll see what happens with Randy. I hope he doesn't let me down. But like, again, it might be a aesthetic thing, Nick. But like, I just don't want to see him out there. And I think he's going to blow a 46 yarder or something like that at some point. Like, I don't trust him really outside of 40 or 42 at this point. So like, you got a thing against the rotund. You probably didn't like Jared. Yeah, Lenz I just think he's also just sucked like most of his career. Like, he's, there's a reason he was on the wire. And not to say Cade York's been any better. So that's yeah. the problem. But I think Cade York is also like, what is this? Like his third year, I think, in the league. Key yeah, are pretty young. Yeah, maybe he had dude. more upside. I don't know. I mean, the fact of the matter is the, the Cowboys freaking pick somebody up from the MLS draft or whatever. Like they found like a soccer player. And now he looks like he might be the new next best kicker in the NFL. This dude, you see this kid, Audrey, Aubrey, whatever his name is. Yeah, he was fucking blasting from 60, whatever last week. It looked like it was good from 70. Had two more kicks, like 47, 59. This guy's just blasting balls into. The you know field. how these things go, though, 70. Dan. You know how these things go. It's going to be like one like, oh, wow, he missed a 38 yarder. And he's going to be looking at the upright like, why didn't the upright go in that direction? You know, <laughs> and then, and then the next thing next you know, three. it's just a meltdown. And then he misses the next three. I know. The kickers, it is, it is what it is. It, it happened to the, the kid they had last year. The Dallas kicker was good last year and he just it's fell funny. apart in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. The kickers are just all mental up there. But yeah, man, Giants are playing better football right now. I think they're playing very complete ball on both sides. And obviously the offense isn't like perfect. It's not like we're driving the football every day, every drive and we're not putting up 31 or anything, but all expectations considered and all things factored in Nick, which is, you know, they still don't really have, in my opinion, at least one of the 10, 15, 20 best talents at quarterback in the NFL right now playing. No offense to Tommy DeVito. It's of not course, like, yeah. I hope no one will take that offensive if I'm not calling him a top 15, 20, just pure talent at the quarterback position. So they're getting a lot out of what they have, I think is really where it's at. Which When's the last time we said that? I, uh, last, last year. year. I mean, last That's year, my yeah. point. Yeah, last year we got a lot out of what we have. So what yeah. does that suggest about the coaching staff that we have? That they're doing a good job. Yeah. Doing a damn good job, exactly. Except for maybe one thing, one coach where the development hasn't necessarily been there, but you know, the special teams. Yeah, well, well, well I wasn't even I wasn't even talking about that. I was talking about the offensive line, well, like the special teams. Down. I'm not gonna sit here and just rail against Thomas McGahee. I think everyone can see that our special teams it's it sucked for a little while now. Mm -hmm. Like I think we had one year where it was like a top three unit, like per EPA. I can't remember what year it was. Like, yeah, it was were, one of McGahee's years. It was one. It of was a McGahee. Years. It, it yeah. was one of his early years, and I think it might have been under Joe Judge, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe it's it was the last year of Sherman. Yeah. 
regardless of the fact it was a good special teams unit per coverage and all those other metrics and stuff like that. But it's been like, at least it seems like it's been like less than 50, like in the back half for, for a while now. Agreed. And we'll see what it is long-term. It's like, this is the way I think about this, Nick. It's like, uh, yes. When the, it, like if the giants were still at two or three or four wins, Nick, I wouldn't personally be rooting for them to win football games. If I'm going to be just honestly, and when it gets again, when it comes to Sunday, I'll still root for them. But during the week, I wouldn't, but I'm at the point now where I'm rooting for them because I've just given up on the idea of this being their quarterback class, unless they get, you know, they find someone outside the big two. Um, and they could, it's possible. It's less likely, but it's possible. But, um, I'm looking at it like, let's just win games because it makes me feel better about the coaching, Nick, like you said, which is here to stay. It makes me feel better about the design. It makes me feel better about this team staying together for next year, which I think is important. Like, I really don't want to restart on the defense from a scheme standpoint. Like, that will bother me the most about this offseason yeah, if they move on from Wink. And it's like, oh, we got a new system in here. Let's see how this guy fits. And then it's like weeks one through seven. We're like, oh, shit, no one's fitting the system yet. No one knows the system yet. We're making all these dumb mistakes. And it's like, oh, great, we're one and six again and let's try to grind back to a wild card but like we, we can't it to me it's too big of a step backward to, to move on at defense so i'm happy that now because the defense is playing and they're actually winning games maybe they'll keep them we'll see what happens on that wink front but obviously that's more more toward the future but um a couple of the primetime players that have made this defense really click cave Thibodeau, one of them some good stats on cave and cave on Thibodeau this week i don't know if you've seen them nick his time to pressure leaderboard this is courtesy of dog analytics he is top five among all defenders on time to pressure behind behind. By the way, you know, who's number one on this list. Let me guess. It's a Wisconsin Badger. You're damn right. It is. He wasn't <laughs> drafted high, a steal of a pick Andrew Van Ginkle for the, for the dolphins. And every time I watch red zone with my dad, Nick, cause we watch a lot. He loves Van Ginkle. He goes off when we see him. Van Ginkle's on red zone every week. It's a freaking phenomenal football player. Like literally one of the best picks probably of the last five years from a value. Yeah. Based standpoint. I don't want to blow air up your ass, but you're right. And I was saying that before we even became like a, so like, a good, like before I knew like how loyal you were to Wisconsin, right? I knew you went to Wisconsin. I didn't know, like, I think early on, maybe when we started doing the podcast yeah. together, how you were a Wisconsin Homer, but you're not here. You're not at all. a Wisconsin Homer. I don't really think you're a Homer to begin with, but I do like just uh, pushing your buttons. At times I feel I, I, I'm more homery than anything else in my life would be the Wisconsin feel, but mostly a joke, but like, you know, like the players we, so we've been wrong. I, I we both like Zach Bond and that hasn't worked out the way we expected it would, it would, but like outside of bond, dude, most of these players, and I don't know what's going on with Leo Chanel. Like, I think he played good in the playoffs last year. I don't know if he's even played. I think he's been hurt this year, but those guys, it's still too early, right? Like, yeah, well, not bond, not bond. These guys are all also like day three investments. Like, it's not like yeah. we're talking about any like Wisconsin linebacker that was like first round top 15. He's not performing well, but like the kid on, on green, uh, Chicago, Sanborn's been good. He was undrafted. And yeah. I knew he would be good. He was so good in college. There was no way Sanborn went playing that. <laughs> okay. And I'm missing a couple now that are really good. Who, who are the couple that I'm missing? Oh, well, obviously TJ Watt, just an yeah. absolute beast, one of the best players in the NFL. Edwards as well. Edwards, TJ Edwards. Do, do you get a second level Wisconsin player? And this will change, by the way, because we lost Jim Leonard. And I'm not going to be as confident in these guys moving forward without Jim Leonard. Like whatever we have there, we have Trestle's brother or son. I don't know. We have a Trestle in there, which I'm not even. You got really a Tress in there? That's Is it our Duncan? Piece. Duncan Trestle? Is, that, is it Duncan? Tre I can't believe no, I that's, a, really that's a comedian. No, no, no. I don't <laughs> even know which Trestle we have in here. We got a Trestle in there, and I didn't like his first season. This is how bad the Wisconsin football season was that I'm. I don't know Mike Trestle. Yeah, he's. We got. I mean, we got Mike Trestle or Trestle. No, Trestle. It's it's the Ohio it's the State, Ohio State, State, yeah. Ohio okay. State guy. But I don't know. I guess it's his his brother or something. It has to be. It can't be his son, right? It must be I don't his know, brother. Man. 
Coach yeah. Mike Travel. You know what? I didn't love his first year, but it is what it is. But as far as the guys in the NFL, Van Ginkle. But anyway, let me get back to this. Kayvon Thibodeau is <laughs> behind Van Ginkle, Miles Garrett, Arden Key, who's having a good year, and Denico Autry, who everybody knows is having a good year as well. And then it's Kayvon Thibodeau. And, you know, he's in a range of this chart because Doug Analytics also posted – he posted the time to pressure leaderboard. Then he also did it on a graph, Nick, with uh, the – I might be able to put this up, actually. He did it on a graph. But it's not important. You can see it on my Twitter. He did it on a graph with number of pressures. And Thibodeau is in a range with him, Autry, Sweat, Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, and Van Ginkle. It's, that's that's who are there on and Arden Key. That's where they are on that chart. It's with those players. Anytime you're on one of these charts with Miles Garrett and Nick Bosa, you're doing something right. Like something is going correctly in your season. So just wanted to bring up Kayvon Thibodeau really having such a good year. Yeah, here's the uh, chart that you're referring to, I believe. Nice. Yep. Yeah. So where is Kayvon Thibodeau's name is right here, correct? Yeah. Right so the these middle. are total pressures to time to pressure. Yeah, you see Kayvon Thibodeau right there. You got Miles Garrett, Josh Sweat around him, your boy Andrew Van Ginkle down on this. Said, Damn, man, he has like 39 pressures on the season. Yep. Damn, what a stud, bro. Yeah. What a stud. Yeah, and then it's. No, but the, the Kayvon, that's not a surprise to me. And it's so uh, refreshing because last year we weren't knocking Kayvon. We were very high on Kayvon Thibodeau, but we had to acknowledge reality that two of his sacks were unblocked and he only had four. One of the blocked sacks, I think, was against Charles Leno, who he also abused this season, if I'm not mistaken. But we've seen such a huge jump in play from Kayvon Thibodeau, and we should be so excited about that. And then... I didn't think we would see a jump in play necessarily from Dexter Lawrence, or at least we hoped because he jumped so massively when Brian Dable and Wink Martindale came in. But right now, Dan, isn't he the highest ranked defensive player in all of pro football Focus's database? And you can say what you want about pro football focus. And look, I don't, I don't treat them as the Holy grail of football either, but the film substantiates that like yeah. Dexter Lawrence destroys interior offensive like Dexter Lawrence is the number one player every offensive coordinator shits their pants about on Saturday night like I don't know how I'm gonna deal with 97 like yeah. if I'm a center I gotta go up against this guy like that's <laughs> terrible dude that's a terrible situation we've seen him split double teams when the guards try to help him out the Giants Wink Martindale masters at wasting blockers I think that wasting blocker mentality or the philosophy is only enhanced because you have 97 in the middle because those guards are so cognizant of, yo, if I got to help my center out, I will. If I don't have that immediate threat to my outside, I'm going, I'm going to help my center out. And then the tackle gets put in a two-on-one situation if it's a five-man right. protection and Isaiah Simmons goes running right into the pocket and usually ends up slipping and not making the sack, but he's still there. And that's what matters. Yeah. And the Giants have, you know, Dex Lawrence, highest graded player, according to Pro Football Focus. Take it for words, but like, like Nick said, it shows up on tape. And, you know, at 26 years old, Dexter Lawrence, Kayvon Thibodeau, even younger. These are two really incredible building blocks to have playing football on your defensive line in the trenches right now. It's a reason to be excited long-term about this team. And I heard Wink Martindale talking about Kayvon Thibodeau today, and he was talking about how it's the thing he loves the most about Thibodeau is that he's such a hard worker. Like he's literally in the film room every single day with Drew trying to figure out stuff, trying to figure out ways. And he's such a cognizant player. He's like at 22 years old. He just, it's incredible to him how mature Thibodeau is as a football player, right? Like as somebody yeah. who is understands, like I have this talent, but that's nothing. That's not guaranteed. Just because I have the talent doesn't mean I'm going to get the production. Doesn't mean I'm going to get the sacks, the accolades. Doesn't mean I'm going to go the direction of my career that I want to go in. 
I need to put in the work too. It has to be, a, you know, we always talk about it. it's the foundation with the quarterback. We talk about it's a lot. Like you still have, you have to be the last one in the first one or the first one in the last one out at quarterback and study the film and do all those things. It's a foundation. It doesn't give you everything, but it gives you the base. And that's the same thing for Thibodeau. It's like, do you want to be one of the best defensive players in the NFL? Okay. You pretty much have the talent in my opinion to do so. Now, how do you do that? You work your ass off. You study the tape. And that's what he was talking about. And to do it at 22 years old, unprompted is important. He also discussed how something that we may not see is he's one of the leaders on the team already at 22 years old. That's crazy. It's his second year in the NFL. And he's one of the leaders on the team, Kayvon Thibodeau. And he meant like real leader, not like just like, oh, did you wear the captain? It's like the the actual guys that people listen to on this team. If there was any prospect going into a recent draft that I thought would galvanize a room. Kayvon Thibodeau is one of those first players, yeah. right? Like he, he has that type of personality, man. Like he's very, very good in front of the camera. Um, he's, I think, I think he's um, just very aware of his surroundings now. And I yeah. say that after kind of chastising him a little bit after that Joel Klatt interview, but I think he was just speaking frankly about uh, how he values Oregon's education <laughs> over the university of Alabama. But when you just watch him speak, I personally, I'm like, that's not a 22 year old. That is not your average 22 year old man right there. Like that dude, right. that dude is, um, understands much more than I think a lot of Americans do at the age of freaking 22, where a lot of kids are just, you know, getting drunk and having a good time at college. Yeah. Which is, which is to each their own, enjoy yourself as well, obviously. But you know, he's focused right now on becoming the best player he can be, which is awesome for the giants. I mean, like I said, two amazing trench players to have. We know this game is one at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball and then quarterback, which is actually above those things, at least in my mind by far, but you need those two things next. And the giants have three pieces there that I'm really excited about long-term between Thibodeau, uh, Dexter Lawrence and Andrew Thomas. And obviously you want more, you want more pieces. Like the Eagles have a lot of pieces. They can get excited about on both sides of the ball. No surprise. They're one of the best teams in the NFL because of it, but it's a good, it's a good place to be, to have three big time pieces there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm right there with you, man. And I'm hoping that the, some of those other pieces, they can really develop into it. And yeah. I think Xavier McKinney can be that if the giants decide to retain him, but that's going to be a, a highly contested conversation, not between you and I, but just between Giants Twitter, because every decision seems to be a highly contested conversation among Giants Twitter <laughs> when the uh, offseason rolls around. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens there. Deontay Banks, by the way, is now allowing 6.3 yards per target. That's that's uh, fewer than a lot of the best corners in the NFL, including Sauce Garner. He's having a good year from that standpoint, uh, from from the, from that metric standpoint, at least. I feel like the tape has been pretty good for Banks. I, have, I don't feel like he's been unbelievable on tape nick i'm not sure where you stand on that but i think he's been pretty good i thought it was an interesting stat to bring up i don't think there are many cornerbacks that are unbelievable i think sauce is yeah, a, um, yeah true sauce is the type of cornerback that when you watched him he he grabs you right like he grabs your attention and he also kind of you know grabs the receiver a little bit and gets away with it but uh-huh. sauce is sauce is an amazing cornerback i'm I don't, not trying to throw shade on him i just think he uh grabs quite often and doesn't really get the flag all the time i'll say this though about banks look he's exceeded my expectations in in many ways. And I was high on him coming out of college. I said, I think before the draft, if the giants get Deontay banks, it's a freaking home run. And all they had to do was trade up one spot. Like it was an inconsequential trade to go up and secure getting Deontay banks for, for wink Martindale system. And I think he can transcend whatever system he's in. So I'm, I'm very happy with his development so far and it hasn't been perfect. You're right. 
No, and also it's just like I think he's just gonna get. I think that's a position that just gets better with time. Yes. So it's like the version of Deontay Banks that he could get to. We it may click at some point in year two or even year three, and it's like, oh, that was even. This is even a higher level of play than what we've been accustomed to. What do you feel about Deontay Banks' celebration when he has a PBU or forces an incomplete pass when he just goes to parade rest and stands and looks at the wide receiver? I like it. I guess you know I'm not a big celebration analyst. I leave those to you, Nick. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's a it's a power move for sure. Right. It's like, yo, this is a sign of respect, you know, putting your hands behind your small of your back and and standing there. But I don't necessarily respect. That's not why I'm doing. I'm mocking the respect for you, wide receiver, who cannot catch that target that was catchable because I was harassing you and I'm just a rookie and I'm only going to get better and you're going to suck. So, yeah, good good for (laughs) Banks. I like it. All right. What's standing out to you about this matchup against the Saints that's like on your mind? So there's a lot of injuries. So yeah, me too. I don't I have like... I don't have Thursday's injury report, but on Wednesday's injury report, there's some big names that did not practice, which is not a great sign for the Saints. It will be telling, though, when, when um Thursday rolls around. Some of those names, Andres Pete, who is their starting, I think, left tackle right now. Chris Alave was on that list with an ankle injury. Kendry Miller back up running back and then Isaiah Foskey. But all those guys were did not participate. And then you have a ton of limited participations, yeah. including Taysom Hill, who did not play last week. Cameron Jordan, Rashid Shahid. Ryan Ramchek and Jamal Williams. Again, Thursday's practice report will reveal more, but with some of these injured players, they're on a short week. They play on Thursday against the Rams. So you have to think like they might want to rest Taysom Hill yes. a little bit more. And I think a player like Taysom Hill is so interesting because their tight end room is, is weird. Jawan Johnson, like Derek Carr was like, Jawan Johnson's going to be a stud this year. Jawan, Jawan, he's been invisible and hurt. It's mm-hmm. he, he, Jimmy Graham is replacing him in the end zone. That's not great. Like Jimmy Graham has four catches on the season. I think three of them are touchdowns. But Taysom Hill adds a t- completely different dynamic to this team. So I want to know if he is going to, to be healthy for that offense. And I just harken back to a lot of things that that opposing players have said about Derek Carr throughout his career. Yeah. Joey Bosa said this. Bruce Irvin said it recently when, um, when uh, he sacked Derek Carr. And it's just, if you hit him early, he gets rattled and you can throw off the timing of what he does. So I'm wondering if Wink Martindale, after just watching film, not just listening to Joey Bosa and Bruce Irving, the Giants are going to dial up the pressure like they are known to do, but sometimes they don't against these veteran guys who are really smart. If they really try to disguise their pressure in a certain manner to get some free rushers and waste some blockers, get some free rushers on Derek Carr, hit him a couple times, try to throw off that rhythm, especially if he doesn't have, you know, Chris Alave and Rashid Shahid out there it remains to be seen. But the Giants can really dictate to the offense. Yeah, Nick, I'm looking at this matchup and a few things that stand out. The, the Saints are a top 10 defense in third down defense. And in the red zone, they're top 14 defense. Most of the in most metrics, the Saints are either are somewhere in the top 15. The one area where they've struggled, though, and they're top seven in passing yards allowed. So they don't give a lot, a lot of passing yards. They play that that tight coverage defense. Marshawn Lattimore's had basically a career year despite being like 10 years into his career, which is interesting, but they do give up the one, two, three, four, the seventh most rushing yards per game at 131.5. So they are susceptible on the ground, the Saints, or at least they have been this year within that system. So I'm going to be interested to see if the Giants can, in a lot of ways, stick with the run in this game or do what I said earlier, which is kind of as we get into the late third quarter and into the fourth quarter, start to spring a few things in the run game. That's really been the time when the Giants have been able to do it. And, and we'll see if that's the case, but 
overall, this has definitely not been like last year. The Saints had a really freaking good defense. I remember watching some of those games. I think they played the Eagles at one point. And did they beat the Eagles or came close to beating the Eagles? They might have lost in the end, but they dominated that game defensively. This is not that unit. Like if you look at the numbers, the Saints are 21st in the NFL in, D in total DVOA on defense last year, you know, and years before they've been in the top 10 in the, of those metrics. And that's pretty much the best metric to determine defense. So I think there is some cracks in this defense for the Giants to exploit. There's absolutely some cracks. They blitz at about a 24% clip. Giants blitz at a 41.6% clip just for reference. But they only get pressure at a 19.6% clip. And they only have 23 sacks on the season, which ironically enough is tied for the New York Giants, which isn't great when you consider that Kayvon Thibodeau has the vast majority of those sacks. That yeah, half. Does he have 12 now? Is that Might what he has? Half, yeah. So that would be more than half. It, again, though, there are so many weird. The Giants sucked so bad. They didn't have a lot of sack opportunities earlier in the season True. against teams like San Francisco, teams like Dallas, Dallas but uh, Dallas twice, too. I mean, even in the more recent matchup, they just Miami didn't have that many at the end of that game. Yeah, especially against Tua. He gets rid of the football so damn quickly. Yeah. But the Saints, it's, this isn't the Saints defensive old, but they'll still have that home field advantage. And that's, I think, uh, something I'm going to specifically be paying attention to the communication on the offensive side of the football, it's going to be really loud. Like how is Tommy DeVito going to be able to overcome how right. loud it's going to be in the Superdome? Now it's going to be a weather controlled environment, which I mean, I guess it, you could say it benefits maybe the saints because the giants are a cold weather team. If you want to classify them in that manner, but I won't even look at it from that perspective, but the giants are going to have to try and manipulate this defense. How are you going to do it? Like, what would your plan be? Like, to me, I'm not changing much of what I've done over yeah. the last three games. I'm still going to look to create three level reads, attack outside the numbers, try to work some RPO when 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 uh, when the defense is really over aggressively playing the run. So I think a lot of this does start with 26 and it does start with the run. And then you build upon that to see if you can catch the defense sleeping to hit a big play or hit like the Isaiah Hodgins glance route that went for, what was that, like 14 yards or 15 yep. yards, whatever it was. So I'm not even looking for for a ton of difference on the offensive side of the football. I think um, the Giants' offensive line right now, as currently constructed, can do a solid job against the older Cam Jordans and, and the players that they have. The Carl Granderson who's another pretty damn good defensive player yeah. that they have up front. But I don't think there's a huge uh, talent or difference between those two units with the Giants playing the way they're playing right now. I would agree with you on that. All right, Nick, let's get into a score prediction and then some prize picks for this week. Unfortunately for prize picks, we won't have Giants to choose from yet, so we're going to go through other games. But how about prediction for the game, Nick? Prediction for the New York Giants game. I have the Giants winning this game 20-17. to 17. I think it's going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of punts. There'll be a couple turnovers, but I think the Giants can can actually catch the Saints sleeping. And it's not something I thought of maybe like two weeks ago. You know, you never would have thought of that. But the way the Giants are playing, it seems like the momentum is riding for them. Whereas the Saints, look, they beat the crap out of the Panthers, but they've lost some dumb games recently. I think Derek Carr, I don't know how much the, the team really buys into him right now, or just maybe, maybe that's more of a fan thing at this point. But I think if you just harass this kid, you can force him to throw some interceptions. And I say kid, he's older than me, but still I, I, uh, I have the giants actually winning though, 2017. Yeah. I, I actually also have the giants winning. I look back at the Packers game and just thought about it, the context of it, Nick. And it's like, you know, the, the giants really controlled most of that game against the Packers. They were basically yeah, they up did. the entire game, which <laughs> 
Does that happen all year for the Giants? I don't think that's happened the entire 2023 season. We're, we're what? 12 games into a year before last night, before Monday. And the Giants hadn't controlled a game the entire year. That's insane. That They really only did over the last two years. They did that against the Colts, did it against the Packers. And what else? Did they do that against any other team at any point? <laughs> so there's two games of just complete control where you're ahead the whole game, essentially. Um, so because of that, I have faith that they can beat the Saints. If they had just narrowly beat the Packers like they beat the Patriots in kind of a gross, weird way with dumbass missed field goals and horrible Mac Jones interception, I'd be like, eh, this team hasn't really progressed that much. But I do feel like they showed signs of really progressing as a unit. And they're so... I feel like they're so on point communication wise on defense right now that they can get some turnovers in this game. You might get a, yeah, I'm sorry. sorry. That's what I'm hoping for too, is those turnovers or just force a bunch of stupid check downs rally and actually make the damn tackle. Like that was one uh, issue with the defense last week was when they were playing the deep zones that allowed the check downs to Patrick Taylor and to AJ Dillon. Well, Alvin Kamara is a lot better than both of those two. So you have to contain Alvin Kamara. You need to have a contingency plan for Alvin Kamara. If you're dropping into those incredibly deep zones to, to remove the horizontal crossing routes to Chris Olave. And that's the other thing is like, who else do they have? If Shahid doesn't play, is it going to be right. AD Perry? Lynn Bowden, the the quarterback from Kentucky from a while ago, like so they're they're a little bit um there's a little bit of a dearth of talent with the injuries they have at wide Crazy. receiver. I didn't know Lynn Bowden was on that team. At Perry has made some big plays though, so we shouldn't laugh that one off. He's been no, we shouldn't definitely better, but yeah. So I'm gonna go with 24 to 20 Giants. I just feel like with this team, the Giants find a way to score points. They score points against the Packers. They scored points against the Washington Commanders. Would they score? What what they have in those two games combined? Let's see. Uh, I'm just curious what this. Well, they had 24 points last week against the 30 against the commanders, something like that. 30, 31, right? 30 or 31. Uh, so, you know, it's 54 or 55 points combined in those two wins. Giants didn't really score points in their wins last year or at any point this year before, except for the Cardinals game. Um, so I think they score more points. Usually my predictions have been in like the 17, 13 range, Nick, and like the 19, 16 range, uh, earlier this year, but I think they're finally, you know, figuring out ways to score points right now. So I'm going to go 24, 20 giants. Oh, uh, Dan, this is devastating news. I just saw on your Twitter. You, you, you tweeted about it. Curb your enthusiasm. Season 12 is going to be their last season. Final, the final run. Yeah. Devastating. I am oh. excited, but I am excited to watch it. So of course. It be good. All right, let's wrap up with some prize picks. We can't do giants picks this week because they don't have them, but let's pick a few other games, Nick. So I'll let you go first. Yes, I'm going to start with the Detroit Lions against the Denver Broncos, and I'm going to go more than 26 and a half receiving yards for one Jameer Gibbs. That can happen on one catch. So I'm going to go with more for Jameer Gibbs, 26.5. And then I'm going to go with more than 49 and a half receiving yards for Stefan Diggs. And that is against the Dallas Cowboys. And then more then 24 and a half receiving yards for Pat Fryermuth against the Indianapolis Colts. That is a Saturday game. And I know I always go more. Look, you should usually go less in these situations. Mm -hmm. It's actually a donkey move to go more, but I like Mm -hmm. to go more because you're watching the game and you're like, Oh, did he get it? It's just something, but it's smarter to go less. So always keep that in mind because injuries happen and then you get the less and it's just, it, it takes more for you to hit the more. Yes. Exactly. You should always, this is, this is a true uh, statement as well, in my opinion, for like betting season long over unders, usually yes. takes under for injury purposes. I'm going to keep it on Thursday night football, Nick, and I'm going to go with Easton stick less than 189 and a half passing yards. Aiden O'Connell less than 195 and a half 
passing yards. And then Austin Eckler, more than 31 and a half receiving yards. I see a very gross game on Thursday oh, yeah. night football. Uh, a lot of check downs to Austin Eckler. So I think he'll get like eight receptions for 38. And Easton Stick will probably be in about the 150 range, passing 160. Aiden O'Connell, other side of the ball, I think Raiders will have to lead the whole game and, and maybe just grind out clock there. Um, so under 199, and a half yards. I, what I like to do for these, and for those of you following along who want to, you know, get in on the action, have some fun and try to win. I like to follow a narrative. So my narrative in this game is what I'm following. My narrative is Raiders, Chargers, not a lot of points, ton of punts, very, a lot of possessions that end in punts and, you know, 10, six, seven, three, nine, six final score. And then, you know, unders across the board because of it. All right. That's all the time. Uh, go ahead, Nick. I was going to say, you don't think this is a huge game? A what? A huge game, Quentin Johnston? Oh, no, 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 no. Bench <laughs> ne never. All your, bench all your guys. All right. In this <laughs> matchup, at least. Um, all right. That's all the time we have for the Big Blue Bander podcast. Thank you for listening and tuning in. Go Giants. Let's see if we can keep this time DeVito train rolling. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.